Let go and let God. Well, you know, it means, it means a number of things to us, first of all, personally. Like, like how am I as a person, as an individual, going to let go and let God? I've got I to gotta evaluate that. I've got to think about that. I've got to think about things that I'm actually holding on to that maybe I'm un unaware of. Ways that maybe I'm stuck that I'm unaware of. How am I individually going to let go and let God have his way in my life, but then as a church, like together, collectively, how are we as a church, like living in this community, living in these times, living in this world, how are we going to stay fresh with God and let go of the things that hold us back and go forward with the Lord today and into the future? We gotta, we gotta, we gotta process this. You know, we gotta evaluate this, and we gotta think about how we're going to do this. Well, there's a real problem, like in the church today, that 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 we think, like like what we do here, that we think that like we've arrived at something, like as an organization, right? Like that word organization almost like doesn't even sound biblical. I know we have to be an organization, I get that. But, but I think sometimes we think as a church, like collectively throughout the world, not just us, that, that we're somehow, we've like arrived at something uh, as a church. Like, like we do things a certain way and this is exactly like as the Bible teaches us. Well, there are some things that we do biblically. They're doctrinal things. They're things we teach in the scripture. They're, they're like our core values. What we believe has nothing to do with like the physical stuff of, of church, right? But there's a lot of things we do in the church that we think somehow like this is it. Like this is what God set up like 2,000 years ago. So we, we have to like deal with that. We have to think about that. We have to ask ourselves like is this really of God? Is what we're doing like when we come together and we meet together and we share together and what we think in our minds that we've arrived at, is that really of God? Or what we value? Like, do we really, the things that we value, that we put priority on, that we think are so important that we can't even have church if we don't have these things, are they really of God? Are they any value in the kingdom of God? We got to ask ourselves. We got to ask ourselves, are these things part of God's plan, part of God's will, not man's will, not our will, not what we've come to be, but are they truly a part of the kingdom of God? And are they going to matter when Jesus comes back? Like, we got to ask ourselves. These are, these are questions. When we talk about letting go and letting God and moving forward with Jesus, we've got to ask ourselves, what are we doing? Like, what are we doing? Like, like, like the things we value, like the religious leaders, right, in Jesus' time, right? Remember those guys that Jesus confronted all the time? They were misled. They were, they were self-infatuated with their own ways. They, they had lost their own ways, and they had replaced God's ways with their own, is what they had done. And they thought what they thought was more important than what God actually said. And they had created a system that suited them. And we know how Jesus felt about their system. He didn't care about it. He didn't care about it at all. So, so there's that, that issue that as a church we have to think about. We have to like evaluate and make sure, are we as a church doing what God wants? Are we as individuals, as individual Christians, are we moving with Jesus? Like, or Israel. Remember Israel in, in 1 Corinthians 10? Paul said that, that you know, as Paul's talking about 
Israel and, and the warnings about what they did. Paul says things like this, like God was not pleased with them. I mean, this is Israel, right? God's chosen people that were walking with God. They were supposedly like honoring God and obeying God. But the scripture says in 1 Corinthians 10, some of them became idolaters. Some of them committed sexual immorality. They tested the Lord. And in one day, 23,000 of them died because of their disobedience. Like they grumbled. And in verse 11, verse 11, look what, look what uh, Paul writes in verse 11. He says this. This is for us as a church today. He says, these things, like all this that I just mentioned, that these warnings and that how God <laughs> dealt with them because of their disobedience, these things, he says, happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us. In other words, we could be in jeopardy of doing the same things they did without even realizing it. Like without even understanding that we're doing it. Like just wandering off in our own little way, in our own little ideas, and being so far from God, we don't even realize it. That's what they did. He says these things were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages has come. Don't you love this word right here? culmination. You know what that is? Like we just got done with this, this series about, um, you know, um, here comes the sun, here comes the sun. And we talked about the prophets and all that they said thousands of years, hundreds of years before Jesus ever came, all the prophecies that pointed to Jesus. Well, that's part of the culmination. It's, it, what Paul is saying here is what the prophets said hundreds of years ago, and then Jesus coming and fulfilling everything that the prophets said, and his birth on the earth, and his life, and his teachings, and his death, and his burial, and his resurrection, and the beginning of the church, this is the culmination of all that God has been doing. Paul says, these are warnings for us because the culmination of all the ages has come. We're, we're getting to see it all. Like the prophets, they were at the beginning of this culmination. They didn't get to see Jesus on earth. We're after the fact. We get, to, we get to learn and understand all that God has been doing up to this point. The culmination of the ages has come. He says, so, look at verse 12. He says, so if you think, if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you do not fall. See, that's a warning. That's Paul saying to the church in Corinth. That's Paul saying to Christians everywhere. If you think, that you've arrived at something, you might want to be careful. You might, not be, you, you might not be standing where you think you are standing. You may not be exactly where you think you are. Right? That, that's, a, that's a warning. Like that's, that's Paul saying, hey, heads up. The Israelites did a lot of things that were not honoring God, and maybe they knew it, maybe they didn't. Some of it was just direct disobedience, but some of it they just did not realize what they were doing. And so here's the deal. There is a real danger. There's a real danger. A big danger, right, for all of us. Like, there's a danger. And the danger is that we are not really moving forward with God at all. That we're just happy to be at some form of plateau. That we've arrived somewhere and we're just happy to be there. Like we're just going to just maintain this thing. And we're not moving with God. We're just happy to do what we do. That's a danger, right? That's a big danger. It should be a danger for us, like as Christians, as individual people, that we are not like moving with God and following God and listening to what he wants today us to do. And as a church, as we move forward, there's a danger 
that we are not. So what we have to do, what we must do, is listen to what the Lord has to say, his promptings in our life, continuing to carry the gospel to the world, right? Continue moving forward with him. Not, not run ahead of God, not lag behind God, and not ignore what God is doing or where he wants us to go as a body, right? Not rush it, not push it, not lag behind, and not, definitely not, do nothing. Definitely not just do what we've always done because we've always done it. That's not, that's not the motivation God's looking for when he wants us to move forward with him. And so what I'd like us to do for a minute is just pray about this. If you would, bow your heads with me. Bow your heads. And as we, as we just get moving into this and think about this, just pray. Just pray. I, 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 hope, I hope that this new year, this 2020, will be, a, will be a, a, a big moment in all of our lives where we, where we say, you know what, this year is going to be different. It's different. It's the beginning, the end of a decade. Whatever happened in the past is the past. But God wants to do something in us that is today, that is new. And there's, there's a world of people that God wants to reach through his church. And, and I want to be a part of that, together as a body and as a person in this world. And so let's just, just take a few minutes and just pray, God, show me whatever it is that's keeping me from moving forward with you. Let's pray that, that God will help us to truly let go of anything that is hindering us, holding us back, and let God have his way in our life. Would you take... Take a minute and just pray about that. Father, we need you. Father, we need you more than we'll ever know that we need you. We need you to, to help open our hearts and our eyes to the things in this world, the things in our heart and our minds that are keeping us from moving forward with you. Please, Father, reveal those to us. Help us to have ears that hear and eyes that see. As we begin this new decade, 2020, never been here before, ever on the, the history of the planet, never will come again. We have this moment. We have this time. We have this one life to make an impact for you. Yesterday, God is gone. Tomorrow is our future. And today, this moment is what you're looking at right now. And I pray, God, that you'd help us not just make decisions in our mind to do things, but to put a plan into action that will actually help us do, carry out, be obedient to you. That we'll learn from the warnings and we'll move forward with you, God, in a powerful way. Speak to us as we move through this series, as we focus our attention on following you, God. We love you so much. We need you so badly. Speak to our hearts, Father, through your spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. So there's a couple key verses. A couple key verses as we get moving into this series about moving forward with Jesus, right? So in your Bibles, Revelations. We're going to start right there. We're going to start in Revelations chapter 3. We're going big as we begin this, okay? Revelations chapter 3. 
So what's going on here in Revelation uh, chapter 3 is God is speaking to his, the churches that are in the world, uh, most of them in like Asia Minor area, and he's in Revelation speaking about them, <laughs> like them, what they've become, whether they realize it or not, what they've become, who they are. And the interesting thing is uh, that God knows exactly what they've become. God knows exactly who they are. And in Revelation chapter 3, he, he speaks to the church uh, of Sardis. John writes, and this church, um, and I want to read some of this. Uh, I'm probably going to read most of uh, this first section because it's just good for us to realize that there's people out there who think that they've arrived at something and they haven't at all. They're, they're misled, they're lost, they're in the dark, they're doing their own thing. And God's aware of it. He's aware of it. So in the church of Sardis, if you see it in chapter 3, he says, To the angel of the church in Sardis write, These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. Look what he says. God says, I know your deeds. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wow, right? Just think about that for a second. You have this reputation. People think it. You got a lot of people deceived into thinking that you're alive. And God says, but you're not alive at all. You're dead. If that shouldn't open our eyes, I'm not sure what's going to open our eyes, is that there's the possibility that what we think we're so alive in, we're not. There is a church that God is writing to. It's in the Bible. It's in the book of Revelations, and we just read it. This is a church that thinks they are moving with God, and they're not. That should be a sobering thought. Look what he says. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Obey it and repent. That's a good word for us. I, that when we realize that there's something in our life or something that we're doing as a church is not in line with God, that what we do is we wake up and we remember the truth of God's word and we receive it and we obey it and we repent. We turn. We change. We change. Like, that's moving forward with God. And that's okay to do. To realize that I'm stuck, or, or I'm not doing what I ought to be doing, and I change my ways, and I begin to do what God has called me to do. I begin to move forward with God. Look what he says, But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know what time, at what time I will come to you. Yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. Look what he says in verse 5. He who overcomes will like them be dressed in white. I will never erase his name from the book of life, but will acknowledge his name before my Father and his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And so this is a word of warning for us, right? This is a word of we need to be careful. Just like Paul said to the Corinthians. We need to be careful that we think we're here and we're nowhere near there. 
we're nowhere near what God wants. So as we begin 2020, it's a time to, to really evaluate what we're doing, who we are. Are we honoring God? Are we living for the Lord? He moves into the church at Philadelphia, and this is where I want to point something out here. He says to the church uh, in Philadelphia, write these words. He says, these are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. That's pretty permanent, right? That's, that's the God of all creation. He decides what is and what isn't. He's God, right? We're not. We're, we're the work of his hands. We are his people. And our, our job is to follow him the best we can, to honor him with everything we do, to take his word in our hand and the spirit that lives within us and live the best lives we can honoring the Lord, following the Lord, doing what God wants, not what the world wants. Right? Not what the culture wants. All right? But what God wants. Whether it's popular or not whether it's what we've always done or not. None of that matters, right? None of that really matters. What matters is that we live lives that honor God. Amen to that? And I hope when we say we want to move forward with God, that means I'm going to live a life that honors God. I don't care what anyone else is doing or thinks. doesn't matter. doesn't matter at all. Well, look what he goes on to say, and this is the key uh, of, of what I want to share with you. Uh, verse 8, look what he says. This is good. He says, I know your deeds. Let's think about that for a minute. God says, I know. First of all, when God says, I know, that means, that means what? He knows, right? I mean, he knows. He knows, he knows you personally. He knows me intimately. God says, I know. He knows us better than we know us. Like, like we strive to figure out us. Like we started to figure out, God, show me what's in my heart. God, show me what I'm thinking. Show me why I do what I do, right? How many times have you asked yourself that? Why did I do that? Why did I just say that? Like we ask ourselves, because we don't even know sometimes. But God says, I know. I know you. God says, I know your deeds. He's talking to the church of Philadelphia. Okay, look what he says. I know your deeds. This is not what you believe or what you think. This is what you're doing, how you're living your lives, how you're going about your life. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I mean, that's a good word right there. I've placed before you an open door that no one can shut. Look what he says. I know that you have little strength, that you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Now, that's a good report, isn't it? I mean, that's a church that's actually doing what God wants them to do. I know your deeds. He knows. He knows our deeds. To Sardis, God says, bad news, sad news, get your act together before it's too late. And to the church of Philadelphia, God says, good news, keep up the good work. Stay faithful. He goes on to say in, uh, in, to the church of Philadelphia in verse 9, look what he says, I will make those, if you're, you're in your scripture, I'll make those who are of the synagogue of Satan who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars. Look what he says. I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you since you have kept my commands. 
This is good news for the church of Philadelphia. Since you have cut my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come upon the whole world to test those who live on the earth. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. I mean, that's, that's, that's a good word. That's a powerful word to these people who are living their lives and honoring God with what they do and how they live, not just what they believe. But the key point uh, here in verse 8, the key point is in verse 8. Look at that again. He says, I have placed before you. God says, I have given you. I have provided for you, church, in Philadelphia and to us this morning. He's saying, I have given you I have placed before you an open door. An open door, and the word means a door that God has opened that no one can shut. That's what God says. That's what God's word is for us this morning. As 2020 is in front of us, and we got, we got like a whole decade just waiting for us to attack it, like waiting for us to march out into it. And what are we going to do? In 10 years from now, when we look back on the last 10 years, which are now in front of us, what are we going to see? What are we going to be proud of? Are we going to be like the Church of Sardis, or are we going to be like the Church of Philadelphia? We get to decide who we're going to be, or what we're going to be, and how we're going to move. What we call this, when God says, I've placed before you, or given you an open door, we call this opportunity. This is an opportunity, right? This is, this is God's leading. This is an open door. It's God's provision. It's God's direction. It's God's will. And he says, I've given it to you. All you got to do is move through it. Right? See, the thing about an open door is this. It's just an open door until you walk through it. If you don't walk through it, it won't matter if it's open or shut. Right? It's only good. It's only good as an open door if you're going to go in it. If you're going to enter into this. If you're going to not just with your mind say, I'm going through the door. I'm moving forward with Jesus. But with your, your will and your heart and your mind and your body and your deeds, we're going to go through this door with the Lord and we're going to walk in it. Right? You can't go through a door if you're standing in place. Following Jesus implores us to move forward. You can't even say you're following Jesus if you're standing still. You can't do it, because you're not. You can only say you're following Jesus if you're actually walking with Jesus. Like following Him, moving with Him, going with Him, wherever it is He leads. That's insane. Revelations is a, is a crazy uh, story about these churches, especially the beginning of Revelations and, and, and God knowing exactly what they're about. There's another really key verse for us I want to point out. Uh, it comes out of the book of Job. Out of the book of Job. Um, and, and this is just for this series, for this, this thought about moving forward with God. God says to Job, and we know all Job has been through, right? We know the suffering of Job. We know the faith of Job. We know that God and the devil were working uh, together, like battling for this one person on the planet, Job. And all that Job endured. But look what it says in Job chapter 17, verse 9. Job writes, or the scripture writes, and he says, The righteous shall move onward and forward. Those with pure hearts shall become stronger. 
and stronger. Like that's a call to move. Don't you just love that? I mean, I love that verse. You got to love it. Like he says, the righteous, those who, who trust in the Lord, those who say they're following the Lord, those who claim to be children of God, right? Those of you who claim to be a child of God, the righteous, he says, shall move. What is move? What does it mean to move? Johnny, tell me, what does it mean to move? Requires motion, doesn't it? Something. You know, you could, you could, you know the story of the turtle and the hare? Who won the race? Okay. But both had to move, didn't they? Neither one would win if they stood at the starting line. So it doesn't matter if you're a turtle walker or a hare runner. God calls us to move. Calls us to move, right? To move. And that's what he says through Job. Look, he says, the righteous shall move. You may go one mile an hour, you may go ten. Some of us walk fast, right? Some of us want to go now, 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 right? You know those people in the room. Others are just very patient about their walking. <laughs> Some of us have had new parts put in this year, Pastor. So we don't move quite as fast as we used to. But to Job, God says, the righteous shall move. Just move. And, and where will they move? They're going to move like onward and forward. Not backwards, but forward. Those with pure hearts. Those who seek the Lord, who love the Lord, who are striving to be like the Lord. Not like the world. Right, Cole? Right? Talked about that this morning. We're either children of the devil or we're children of who? God. Thank you, John. Right? That's it. Like, if you're not a child of God, you're a child of the devil by default because sin has entangled you, whether you believe it or not or, or realize it or not. We're children of one or the other. And the only way we become children of God is by a conscious decision to say, I'm going to live my life for God. I'm going to let Jesus come in and be Lord of my life, and I'm going to follow him all the days of my life, and I'm going to move onward, and I'm going to move forward with him. That's how. So those with pure hearts who are seeking to do that shall become stronger and stronger. Did you notice? As you move, as you walk with God, what happens is we become stronger and stronger, right? Because God is building in us as we're moving with Him. And when you stand still, what happens is you begin to fall apart, right? Go park your car somewhere in the backyard and leave it there for a couple years, and what's going to happen to it? It's going to start falling apart. It probably won't start when you go back out there. The battery's going to die, the wheels are going to get uh, like dry-rotted, and it's going to fall apart. It's going to naturally just fall apart. That's what things do. But when you're walking with the Lord, you will grow stronger and stronger and stronger as you move onward and forward. So moving forward with God, it requires, it demands that we let go and that we let God Right? It just demands that we do. As, as, a, as a believer in the Lord, as members of his body, our challenge, our challenge is to move forward. Is to move forward with Jesus, to let go and to let God. Right? I hope that's what you want to do. Here we go. We're going to introduce this first thought. We're going to introduce this thought and then we're going to, we're going to wrap this up. There's a, there's a big need, though. Here's, here's, a, here's a great need, a great big need as we begin to think in this year of moving forward with Jesus, okay? 
and, and, the, and the, the big need as we set this up is this. The world is in a hurt. Okay? The world is in a hurt. The devil has blinded the eyes of those who don't believe. And he's beating on souls. He's got people captured that don't even realize they're captured. They're blind and they don't even realize they're blind. They're wandering on the earth without light, and without hope, and without Christ. And they don't realize that. That's a big need. That's a big problem. Many in the church are in a world of hurt as well. So it isn't just people that are out there in the world, but it's also people who are actually in the church because they're religiously confused. They're following a system rather than the Spirit of God living in them, rather than the Word of God that Jesus has given to us. So these scriptures, you recognize them, Deuteronomy 6, Deuteronomy 11, and Psalm 78, say, impress them on your children, teach them to your children, declare to the next generation. What's he talking about? Scripture's talking about the Word of God, right? The Scripture. Scripture. The Word of God. The Word that became flesh, right? That's what he's talking about. The world is ignorant of the truth of God's Word. And the need is that lost people, here you go, lost people are ignorant of God's Word and they're wandering around this world in darkness. That's the need. With no hope, no light, and no direction. That's a problem. And they're sailing out of control, right? They're just doing whatever comes along. It's, it's, it's getting harder and harder, right? You send your kids to school and you have no idea what they're learning. They're learning things that we're, 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 we're totally like, you, you just don't speak of those things like 50 years ago. Now they teach them as if they're so. As if they're norms in the world. If they're norms uh, like that we're all supposed to live by. And the world is, is, is sailing out of control like a ship with no rudder, just tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching. Right? That's what's happening to people. ACDC was right. They're on a highway to hell. They are. They're on a highway to hell. Spiritual Death, eternally cut off from life, and doomed forever. You know what? It doesn't, it doesn't get any more serious than that. It really doesn't. It doesn't get any more serious than knowing that we have family, we have friends, we have coworkers, we have neighbors that don't know Christ and they have been taken captive by an enemy and they don't even know it. What would you do to go rescue somebody in that condition? What would you give up to save a few people? Like, what would you do? Seriously, what would you do? What would you do to just bring one more person into the light that they might like see Jesus and come out of the darkness what would you do what, what would you be willing to give how much would you be willing to sacrifice because that's the truth of where we are as a world as a planet and that's the truth of the need that we face as the church and that's the call of God 
to go like into the world and share the good news. To help people find Christ and find salvation before the end comes, or before he returns, or before they leave the planet. See, there's a great big need. And as we think about moving out with Jesus, moving forward with Jesus, as we think about letting go of our stuff and letting God have his way, we have to face the fact that there's a huge need in front of us. And Jesus has called us to meet that need. Let's pray. Father, we, we love you and we're so grateful for the hope that we have come to know. God, that you have given us eternal life and that that life is in your Son and that whoever has your Son has the life and he who does not have the Son does not have the life. Father, I pray that as, a, as Christians, as individuals, and as a church, you would grab hold of our hearts. That as we begin a new year, a new decade, we'll evaluate what we're doing with our moments that Dan talked about, our time, the stewardship of our moments. And we'll make sure that we're using every moment for your glory. Not, not to do what we've done, not to do what we think we should uh, continue to do, but what you're doing. God, what you're doing in this world that is so different than the world we grew up in. God, that we would be busy following Jesus into darkness, into the dark places to reach those who have no hope without Christ. God, I pray that you'll move in us in these weeks cause us to do something different, cause us to truly move forward with you in mind, heart, body, and soul, that we would truly be followers of Jesus in this world. We love you so much. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.